but yeah, I've got those two older half-brothers. I've got my older adoptive brother and then my sister, who's actually four months younger than I am. So I ended up being an only child by my mom, the youngest by my dad, and a middle child with my adoptive family. And I was, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lord. <laughs> You've got you the whole mix. the family tree. <laughs> Welcome back to Colombian Influence. Woo-hoo. It's been a little while since our last interview. Obviously, things are still kind of crazy with everything going on corona-related, but we are super excited tonight to be um, interviewing our friend Ellie and her husband, Will. So they'll be joining us here in just a few minutes. So Ellie actually worked with Risa and I at our job. So we found out she was another adoptee out of the many who actually worked with us. But mm-hmm. we are just so excited because her and her husband are adopted. So it's kind of a duo that we haven't experienced yet. And to see how, you know, relationship-wise versus just being an individual actually makes a difference Mm -hmm. as well, being adopted. So we're super excited to dive into their story. Yeah, for sure. Like Erica said, we, we've, it's really just been based on individuals at this point. So having this different dynamic is something that we've been really excited to do. Um, We've been really excited to talk to them. Their stories are really different. So that added element to it kind of puts a twist on it as well. So uh, we'll just go ahead and dive right in. Okay, well, welcome, you guys. We're so excited to have you. Hi. Thanks for having us. (laughs) So, Ellie, we're going to dive into your story first before we jump into Will's. But do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, you know, where you're adopted, where you live now, the whole shebang? Sure. Uh, So, let's see. My name is Ellie, I'm a Capricorn, and my favorite color is seafoam green. Um, I was born in Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth metro, if anybody knows. Shout out, GP, are you with me? And, um, <laughs> and then, um, but now I'm in Minnesota, Obvi. So it's been great. I have learned that I will not die of frostbite at 30 degrees or lower. Well, I mean, a lot lower probably, but, you know, <laughs> right at freezing, I'll be fine. <laughs> so that's good. Um, so my story isn't a traditional adoption one. I actually, the family that I ended up with, we were family friends for a really long time. I was in the same grade as, you know, the girl of the family. My brother was in the same um, grade as her brother, if that makes sense. So we each had an older brother. Like, we were all the same age. It was kind of weird. And, and so, you know, from the time I was 
in elementary school, my sister Hannah and I, we would do gymnastics together. We would go to like the water park. I spent Christmases with their family. They threw me birthday parties. So it was really, it it like took a village to raise me. So that was, you know, they were good people. And then, um, you know, to my prepubescent brain, suddenly my parents decided to get separated and begin like a divorce process. And I ended up moving away and living with my mother's family for a period of time. Um, It wasn't a great scenario. So after I had visited these family friends, um, after having moved away, they actually invited me to stay in their home and go to school with their children. Mm. Um, From there, you know, life continued on and it developed into what's called a managing conservatorship. So essentially, you know, I had my biological parents and then I had these other two adults who shared in the same parental rights, essentially. They could sign off on, you know, permission slips. They could take me to the hospital, you know, Mm -hmm. etc. So, you know, not, you know, what I think most people would call an adoption, so to speak. But um, I was officially under their conservatorship, their managingness at 16. And, you know, now I'm, I'm 30. Yay. And um, (laughs) I still, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I'm still in touch with with everybody, but it's been, you know, it's been quite a while since I lived with my biological parents. I, you know, it's different. We have a different kind of relationship. But you were pretty old when all of that happened. So you're like, unlike Risa and I, we were just babies. You knew exactly what was happening yeah, yeah, it was really, you know, for my 12-year-old brain, I was like, yes, perpetual sleepover, it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> you know, those ideas changed over time, but, you know, I absolutely saw my biological parents. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't say that they, this is this is kind of a harsh evaluation, but I wouldn't say that they raised me necessarily, but, you know, I knew them pretty well they knew me obviously and um you know we we kept in touch but it the relationship dynamic you know for better for worse for my mother and my father changed dramatically sure that makes that makes a lot of sense um with what you just said then so did the separation happen you said around age 12 was it or was that when you moved or was it okay so around 12 and then it was official at 16 Right. So I was 12. I was getting into sixth grade and I moved to Oklahoma and I was there for like eight months. Yeah. (laughs) And I was there for like eight months and, um, I ended up moving back to Texas, you know, after that time. So I was, I was still, I mean, I guess technically I had turned 13 when I officially moved in with them long term. Okay. Um, like I said before, it, I mean, we spent so much time together before. It's it's kind of 
muddy to tease away, you know, like certain periods of you know, not actually being together. But so I would say officially I moved in, all my caca came with me, I had a bed, I was 13 with them. So you moved, it, sorry. So yeah, you no, moved states. Did you know anybody around there since you kind of grew up with them a lot? Or was it um, crazy? Yeah. yeah, when we moved, my my mom's side of the family is actually pretty large. And I grew up with them. Um, I have some older cousins. So they're, you know, I'm not super close to my first cousins. But I'm really more relatable to my second cousins, you know, their children. And so we, as kids growing up, we were always... Um, my mother and I going up there. So definitely I had family. We moved in with my aunt and her husband and they kind of take people (laughs) in. Um, They're just, you know, the kind of like protector people. They just like people. So, you know, my mom was going through a rough spell. um, So we ended up with them and that was really all I knew. So going into junior high into not only a different type of school setting, I, I you know, no friends, no, nothing like that. It was pretty tumultuous. That's hard. I was going to say, it sounds like it's like, it is, you know, it's a big move. That's really hard for really any kid. But, um, and True. just kind of going back to what you said about like when that first started, would you say like, you know, initially it's kind of like, oh, perpetual sleepover forever. You know, this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. What was it like? How did you feel about it during all of those times, like with the transitions and um, I guess also just kind of jumping back to the timeline of the separation with your parents? Like, I guess what led it from point A to point B with being a separation versus your kids being relocated? Yeah, you know, um, it definitely wasn't... You know, I'm hard-pressed to say that it happened overnight. Um, my, the, It actually did take a period of time for me to, like, they proposed I stay with them. And then for me to actually go back, you know, to Oklahoma. And then they proposed it to my mom. And my mom absolutely was against it. Um, hmm. Except for the fact she had her own stuff going. So in in one hand, she didn't need the stress of child rearing. And then in the other hand, you know, her whole life revolved about being a mom, or at least the idea of being a mother. And um, so it, it took a couple of weekends Um, you know, to kind of convince my mom, maybe it's better for me to go back to Texas. You know, one of the benefits was in Oklahoma, I was in public school, um, moving to Texas, I would have been in a private college prep school, whatever. Um, you know, there was like a religious component, public school versus, you know, this Christian school. Um, what else? I had started making friends with people from the wrong side of the tracks situation. So, you know, we kind of leveraged all of those things, uh, you know, in addition to losing my friends and not having like a real stable center being anchored anywhere. We used all of that to somehow convince my mom that I needed to go back to Texas. You know, I think she always intended to follow me back to Texas and resume being my mother. Um, but my 
it didn't. So I think that's why it took so long for the managing conservatorship to actually happen. Um, um, we were kind of staying in this delusion okay. and pretending that, that you know, my mom was always going to come back. My mom was always going to, you know, resume her thing, and and it just never did. So that's, you know, kind of how it played out. There wasn't too much dramaticism except, uh, you know, closer to when I was 16 when, they, when those papers were actually signed. There was quite an event just prior to that signing. Um, but other than that, it was pretty pretty low-key because we were kind of continuing what had already been going on. It was just that, mm-hmm. like, I actually had a bed there. All my clothes were there. My toothbrush, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Was your dad for or against this at all, or was he really just not involved in this decision? Um, my dad, he actually was very much for it. Um right out the gate he was like you know what they can do better by you than i can so i don't like it um you know i'd rather be the one to be there for you but i don't have the financial capacity i don't have the time whatever so he he actually um was like you know help out around the house don't just you know bum off them be be helpful and don't be a burden is essentially you know the parting <laughs> word from my dad he was very much in in favor of that uh that transition interesting and mostly because he knew my mom was kind of not really capable of you know guiding me through life mm-hmm. but that's their baggage <laughs> So, do you still have a relationship with your uh, bio parents now at this point? Yeah, it's you know it's limited and sometimes strained. Um, it's been an evolution over more than a decade. So my with my mom, um, she's very into Facebook now, so she sends <laughs> me messages all the time, and. Um, we have a, it's pretty superficial. She's always been overly adamant about how much she loves me and like apologetic and what have you. And it's just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> it, what happened happened, what happened needed to happen. Like we don't need to kind of make this like a super duper emotionally charged thing. Um, and then with my dad, I, I mean, I don't know. I think he's like most dads, kind of. He sometimes check no. My <laughs> husband says no. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, he he pops into my text messages occasionally, and then I will occasionally call him or text him. It's you know we just make sure each other's alive, and that seems to be the extent of that. With neither <laughs> one of us putting too much more effort in that direction. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, I I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just not. Where are your bio mom and bio dad located now? Yeah. Um, my dad has been in the same apartment in Texas for the last however many years. And, uh, my mom just recently moved back there as well. She had Uh, spent a little time in back in Oklahoma, but they, they, they remained in that, um, 
metro area. Okay. Gotcha. Fun story. My mom... Okay. This might be going too far ahead, but when I was 16 and we finally got the managing conservatorship finalized, the reason why it had to be finalized is my adoptive mom was beginning medical school in Florida. And so... She re- she really couldn't take me out of the state with any kind of without any kind of like oh. official authority over me. So once we finally got that signed and we moved to Florida, my biological mother actually moved to Florida like a year later, and she was like, "You should come visit me." And just for context, I was on the West Coast, a little south of Tampa on the Gulf, and I got you know all the the snowbirds coming in and so on and she was on the east coast and it was at least i don't know like a six hour drive maybe and she's like you should come visit me and i was 16 i just got my driver's license and my adoptive mom was like no so (laughs) but i was (laughs) i was astonished she actually accomplished making it to florida it was another one of those times where she was like had it in her mind determined that she was going to be an active mother in my life and it just it was a pretty spectacular fail I, my it was goodness how <laughs> so, long was she living in florida then she only lived there for a couple of years and she's like it's too expensive i've got to move back to texas and i was like i could have told you that <laughs> i mean <laughs> She, uh, yeah, no, she moved, she only lasted a couple of years and she left and I'm actually, yeah, I never got around to seeing her and she came to my high school graduation. So gotcha. that was, that was good. So after Florida, is that when you moved to Minnesota? No. Um, so in Florida, I finished up high school. I'd moved there. Uh, finished up junior and senior year there. I did a year at Florida State. And then I moved to Colorado, um, essentially following my adoptive mother there because all my friends had signed leases. And I was like, well, bump that. Like, I'm not going to go find someone I don't know to get a lease with. And um, so I actually moved to Colorado, and that's where I did my undergraduate work. So I, I lived there for six years before moving to Minnesota. I guess let's talk a little bit about your adoptive parents then. Just like, uh, obviously, we kind of have the, you know, it's not so much like, why did they choose to adopt? Like, it was obviously, like you said, it's a very mm-hmm. uh, unconventional adoption situation and everything. Um, but I guess with everything that happened, like, did you start calling the mom and dad? Like, what's your relationship like now? Like, just kind of tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. them. Yeah, um, you know, I definitely have a stronger connection with adoptive mother. We're still super close. Um, I mean, I I call her mum, and that's M U M versus M O M, because I because I still talk to my biological mother, and I was like, she will absolutely flip a. <laughs> her everything if I start calling this other woman mom so oh, okay. I you know we we skirted around that issue by saying mom um but I <laughs> you know what I don't <laughs> you've always for, been such a clever one Ellie <laughs> I, I know um when growing up it's like being at their house I actually called her aunt joe so oh, okay. I actually still call her aunt joe 
all the time. I mean, unless I'm like writing a card or a text sure. or whatever, because saying it actually feels kind of weird. I remember asking my sister, and I can, and I can call Hannah my sister, and I can call you know the the son Nathan my brother. But for whatever reason, sometimes I don't know why I just can't really call her mom. Um, but I do remember asking for permission. I was like, is it okay if I call your mom? mom <laughs> like are we okay with that and Hannah was yeah I didn't ask anything because he was five years older he didn't care um but Hannah <laughs> was totally into it she had always wanted a sister so it was kind of it was kind of interesting that Aww. how that unfolded but um yeah and the dad figure um actually you know Aunt Jo and her husband actually got divorced and it was kind of gnarly and and me not really being anchored, I guess you could say, like emotionally as a child growing up, I really became like kind of codependent. Not kind. I was I was codependent with my adoptive mother. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, I was very young and they had a complicated history of why they got a divorce and so on. So I don't actually talk to my adoptive dad anymore. So, oh. um you know, I I didn't really have a relationship with him to begin with. I'd never really gotten along with father figures because my own biological dad actually just kind of hung out in the garage all the time. Like, I didn't... My mom really monopolized all of my time growing up. Um, my dad was a smoker, so he would stay out in the garage. Um, I really didn't grow up having a super strong relationship with any kind of male father figure. So okay. it kind of, you know... As history goes on, like, it just kind of played out with him as well. Um, But they're um, actually both in Texas right now as well. Uh, My adoptive mom and I moved around the country a little bit. She more than I. And uh, her ex-husband has always been there. And so they've actually ended up relatively in the same area again. It's kind of a circle has been made. Everyone was there, left and came (laughs) back again. So, yeah. I'm sorry if you've already mentioned this, but does your uh, bio parents have other children? Um, My dad has two other sons. So I have two older half-brothers through my dad. Yeah, and um, I have a... I have a okay relationship with the the middle brother. He and I were really close as we were when we were younger. Um, and then I moved away and didn't have priorities in, in line. That's a direct quote. <laughs> and, you know, totally valid. <laughs> you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like I could look back and be like, yeah, I was I was not a great sister. <laughs> um, but he's actually in Florida now with his wife, and um, but we're okay. My eldest brother and I, he actually is incarcerated down south. Um, so we, you know, had a a relationship via letters for some time. Um, but I really haven't spoken to him in probably, probably going on close to 10 years now. So, um, but yeah, I've got those two older half brothers. I've got my older adoptive brother and then my sister who's actually four months younger than I am. So I ended up being an only child by my mom, the youngest by my dad and a middle child with my adoptive family. (laughs) Oh Lord. (laughs) You got the whole family tree. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. 
It's fun. Oh my gosh. Obviously, we kind of talked about, like, with um, how this affected you, like, as a teenager and everything. And I know you and I have talked a lot about, you know, just, like, the -the run-of-the-mill adoption, adoptee issue type things with mental health. Would you say that you you can identify with any of those types of things? Like, with um, either attachment, abandonment. I know you kind of said that you were uh, codependent for a little while or have had issues with that. Like... I mean, and obviously Mm -hmm. go into as little or as much as you're comfortable with. Yeah, no, I, you know, um, I think it's hard to tease apart what's just like family patterns that I've absorbed versus this event happened and, you know, now I'm, I behave in such a way or or what have you. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely have experienced and and I'm still working through um you know anxiety of being left of abandonment um I think that's kind of an ongoing thing I don't know if it has everything to do with adoption I think it definitely plays a role um you know sometimes like, I've never held it against my mom that she let me go. I actually really think it was the absolute best thing that could happen for me. I, I think I would have been in a very different place, you know, someplace not great mm-hmm. if I had mm-hmm. actually, you know, not had this other family to go to. So, you know, I never felt like I held it against her, but my bio mom would always, like, apologize. And it wasn't until maybe a couple years ago where I actually had the feeling like she didn't try hard enough. Hmm. Like she was, um, she, you know, failed me as a mother. And it was kind of weird to have that, that thought and that feeling go through. But I, you know, I think that does serve, you know, a little bit in how I operate today with relationships. Like I, I think I really do rely on people to make great efforts Mm -hmm. in order for me to like believe or whatnot, because I had this, this mom who like, you know, in, in one perspective, didn't take care of herself well enough, didn't grow herself well enough to grow another person. You know, it was, Mm -hmm. it's, it's been really interesting and I don't think it's, done being uncovered but I think I you know those are the effects that I am consciously aware of at this point sure no that makes a lot of sense I would say with stuff like that it's like yeah not everything's gonna be uncovered by the time you're 30 you know it's just like (laughs) there (laughs) there's there's always you know more things to kind of discover about yourself with things like this Allie based on all the experience you've had what advice would you give kids growing up teenagers kind of going through that same experience or you know just what would you say for a woman even and my advice to kids and others you know with maybe similar experience you know there's this rather large part of your life that you didn't have control over and it affected you. But, you know, you have this life, you're living your life, and 
it can be what you make it. Mm-hmm. I I don't, you know, any kind of bad thing can happen at any time, and we never know how it, it may affect us. But you know, we always have choices in in how we proceed. You know, with those feelings, and don't get discouraged if it, you're not. If you're not there yet, but just know that you can make, you can make the rest of your life, even though this one event happened and it was beyond your control. Like that's not the, the beginning and the end of your narrative. I like that. I never even thought Mm. about anything like that, really. Me neither. I I go, I go deep into adoption, but this is, it's kind of a life lesson too. It can be, it could be for anyone who experiences something traumatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially just like, I think that's really, uh, I don't know. I just like, I feel like the different contexts that you're coming from, again, like how Erica said that she and I were adopted as like infants. So it's a very completely different narrative here. But like that mm-hmm. advice is not something that I would ever consciously think of because it happened at such a young age. It's like, that is not even in my framework whatsoever yeah. to even acknowledge so I yeah that's a really good take that I think is very helpful going off of kind of what you said about your own personal feelings on everything and advice for others uh just in a broader sense what are some things if any that you wish people would realize about adoption whether from the traditional or non-traditional senses I feel I feel kind of strange saying this because it's kind of a blanket statement, and I'm sh- you know I think there are variables with folks across the board, but you know along with being accepted into a family that's not your own, like I don't know I I sense obligation to them. I I just wish people would know that. You know, it's not like being birthed into a family where you just have a natural, innate right. Mm -hmm. That Mm. feeling that you will inherit everything or, you know, you'll be a part of the will. And I, you know, from my perspective, I always felt like I owed it to them. And I was actively, like, trying to, you know, prove myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, please keep me here. Mm. (laughs) Even though... You know, even though I knew that they cared about me and they showed that in a myriad of ways, you know, that burden never has never left. Interesting. Deep Again, like something it. I had not thought about before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. do you have any other um, tidbits to mention before we move on to Will? Chocolate chip cookies are the best cookie ever. Mm. They really are. And I you like so cookie dough terrible. ice cream. well on that note with our corona cravings (laughs) that was uh the conclusion of our interview with ellie uh we'll be moving on to part two with her husband will uh so we'll be talking to him about his adoption and our next interview or next episode that i should say 
and then also talk a little bit about their relationship and kind of what that means as far as both being adoptees. So thank you guys again so much for all of your love and support and for returning back to Colombian Influence. Uh, we've been working really hard through this uh, coronavirus just to make sure that we're bringing some new content for you guys. So be sure to check out our Facebook page. Uh, if you haven't already, we were posting um, articles here and there. Uh, recently, I posted something about a documentary that I watched. I just wanted to put another plug for that because it's really worth watching. Uh, and right now, I think a lot of people have a lot of time on their hands. So documentaries are a great way to go. That's called Three Identical Strangers, so definitely check that out. And, of course, as per usual, certainly send us any questions or comments and leave us ratings. Um, like and subscribe! <laughs> and everyone, please just continue to stay safe. We love you! We love you!